Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Well, hey, LifeHouse. Tonight we're going to dive into God's Word tonight. Typically with something like this, I get really, I don't know, pressured. I feel to kind of share with you something really, really important. To share with you something, the most powerful thing you've ever heard. And, and, and you know, I, and, and really, to be honest, within this, this season right now, the crazy thing is you can jump on and watch any church you, you want and consume, and consume content. Right, you can go on with some of the best churches nationally, globally, locally, and you can go on. I felt God put on my heart for tonight. Isn't necessarily about what you will receive tonight. You're going to receive some. I'm going. I'm going to preach, but at the same time, I felt like God say the focus of this night was more about what we're going to offer and give to God. And there's a big difference. Because honestly, we have developed a consumer culture within church. We come into this building and we say things like, was good. Did the worship make me feel good? What did I get out of the sermon? And it's so me, I, and us focused that we actually... (laughs) They are the wrong questions. What if we started saying, did God like it? Did, did God, did, and that's why t- tonight I sincerely felt the goal of this night wasn't just to give you more content, wasn't just to give you some other sermon, because honestly, y'all could, could jump on and listen to all these great preachers and teachers, but what I felt like tonight, the power in this night was going to be not just what you're going to receive, but what you are willing to offer and give to God in this moment tonight. We're going to check out a story, Mark chapter 8, where Jesus um, finds himself in this situation where um, essentially, let me set it up this this way, Mark, the gospel of Mark, the gospel account of Mark is a really, is, is a really action-oriented book. Of the gospels, it's the shortest, and, and, and it's one of the only gospels that does not talk about the birth of Jesus and his upbringing. It goes straight into his temptation and baptism, and just as like, we don't care, it's just like, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus did, the most used word in that book is the immediately, immediately, immediately God healed them, immediately that person repented, immediately, it is a fast-oriented book, and, and the gospel of Mark, written to the, a Roman, like I said, it was written to the, a Roman text here, Mark chapter, face audience, and, and so with the context here, Mark chapter, where Jesus was out, find Jesus, 
in a situation that he's found himself in before where Jesus was out teaching and preaching. Thousands of people came out to, to follow him, talk, talk to him, and hear him teach. And then the people be getting hungry. Isn't there something about church that makes you hungry? I mean, honestly, like I could have food before I come into church. I, I go to church and then I get hungry. There's something about teaching and preaching and worship that just sparks hunger in you. So here's the thing, right? You got thousands of people around Jesus. The 12 disciples are there. There's thousands of people there. And there's only seven loaves of bread available to feed all of these people. And here's the thing, right? You had seven loaves for 7,000 people. So, so really, the situation here is you had not enough resources but a ton of demand. You had not enough resources but a ton of demand. And really what I sensed and felt today is that this is the culture we're currently in right now and where you are. There is so much demand. There is so much pressure. There is so much anxiety, stress, and just things demanding something from you, but inside of you, you don't feel like you've got the resources available emotionally and spiritually and financially and psychologically, maritally, and in whatever other LY thing you you wanna throw in there. And so what is being demanded of you doesn't match the resources you feel like you have inside. So basically you've got seven, 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 seven lows for seven K. Seven loaves for seven. Okay, we're going to actually read this, this, this story right now. This is Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. It tells us this. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus, Jesus then asked them, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they, they, seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people who distributed the bread to the, to the crowd, God for them, broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the, to the crowd. A few as they won and afterward the two. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they won and afterward the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men within the crowd that day and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Now, n- now the thing is why I say 4,000 people is, is, is because what this says here is there were 4,000 men. So that doesn't include, include children, that doesn't include women. So, you know, so being a pastor and guesstimating stats, I'm gonna round up. It's what pastors do. If we have 25 people there, we almost had 100 people at that, e- at that event. If there was 220 people, we had 300, almost 300 people. I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just what we do. We always round up in faith, hoping that God will bless are lying. I don't know, like, what, you know. But at the same time, I want to talk to you tonight. What, what to do when there isn't, when there isn't enough? What to do when there isn't enough? Enough. What do you do when what is demanded of you? You don't have the 
resources for. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause right now. We thank you for your goodness and grace, and we ask that during this time you would speak to us. God, we're, we're, we're not just here to receive, we're here to give. We're not just here to take something from you. We want to offer you something tonight as well. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. The first thing is this. I think you've got to do this. Remember what God has done in the past. The interesting thing about this story here, 8, Mark chapter 8, is the fact of this wasn't the first time they encountered this. Here's the thing. This was the feeding of the 4,000, but some of you might be like, I thought it was the feeding of the 5,000. There was actually two feedings. And the feeding of the 5,000 was actually in Mark chapter 6, before Mark chapter 8. So the, so the thing is this, right? They found themselves in a position that they were just in probably a couple months back. And I just don't know why. One of, one of the disciples, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Thomas, Didymus, or Judas, I don't know. Like why one of them just didn't be like, hey, fellas, let me give y'all a pep talk. We've been here before. Jesus has brought us out here before, and we, you know, we know what he's going to do. He's going to do the Jesus thing. But no one stepped up and said that. Do you, do you actually see here what they said? Someone stepped up. They said, how are we supposed to feed all these people? What did they do? Whenever they saw a deficit, they turned inward. How are we? How are we supposed to feed? When honestly, they had just seen Jesus do this a couple months before. It is so important in this season where the truth is it's craziness, it's insanity going on, and we've probably only just begun. You've got to do the discipline of looking back and seeing how faithful God has been in the past. Right? Thing is, thing is right, even, even with this church, I remember when things first went down, I was like, scrambling. Are people going to keep, are they going to watch online? People going to keep giving? Are people going to, and I just had all of these worries and, you know, it was just like crazy. And then this past week, I had this particular day where, I don't know, maybe I'm just crazy. I was going through my phone and just going through years and years of pictures. Has anyone else ever done that? You just go through because you just don't realize like how much has happened in, in a time period. And man, I was just going through, scrolling through 2000, 2019, 2018, 2017. We actually launched our church September 17, 2017. So we're going to be three years old coming up at the third week of September. And that's when we're going to do our next Lifehouse Live. So shameless plug, if you want to reserve your spot for the next Lifehouse Live, you can text LIVE to 757-690-2401. Anyway, okay, but the thing was, I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and, um, I got to about 2016, where that was a year before we started our ch church. This was a year before we had people. This is a year before we had buildings. This is a year before we had anything. And really, I saw this one picture. And the thing is this, right? Whenever you church plant, they put you through all of these assessments just to see if, like, you're going to be good enough. Like, is this guy going to fail? Is, you know, is this guy, does this guy have the tools of what it takes to plant a church and actually see it flourish and do something? And... You know, I, you know, it was just like, it's cool. I understand if you're going to invest money and stuff like that, you want to ensure the, the person you're in it, the, that you're investing in has a track record that can actually do it.
through this. So personally, I went through all the hoops, jumped through all the stuff, did whatever the assessment, and there was one particular assessment that sent this back to me, and this is what they said. They said, candidate wear is most likely real with y'all in average size church. Now, I'm going to be real with y'all. I didn't respond very, very Christ-like when I saw that. Because honestly, I'll show you average. Hey, I got you. You think I'm average. I'll show you average. But, this, uh, but of course, that was the like, the unchrist-like, unhealthy part of me. But at, the, but at the same time, I looked back on that, and I was, I was reminded, first off, I am average. But secondly, look what God has done. Look at all that God has done. He's taken average. I know I'm like, he's taken average. And we've seen two, over 200 people saved. He's taken average and given thousands of dollars out. He's taken average and gone in thousands of hours within our community. The average. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, this is what, go back and be reminded. He did it then. He'll do it again. And that's what I just felt. You, this is what you've got to do in this season. Because he's the COVID. You got to look back and know if God kept you then, he'll kept you now. And the faith that God showed you then is the faith that's going to fuel you going forward. You got to look back. Remember. Why didn't the disciples be like, hey, y'all, yo, Jesus been here. He's, he's done this. Where were they at? But no one said, no, this isn't the first time. Because if you're sitting in this room, you're blessed to be here. I don't care what you've walked through, what you've been through. God's gotten you to here. And if he's gotten you here, he'll get you there. So in this season, when you feel like what, you, what is being demanded of you, just know this isn't the first season that you have walked in and been in where God is demanding something of you. Secondly, though, second thing, what to do whenever what is demanded of you doesn't seem, seem like you got the resources. You got to be comfortable with God working through your, through, your, through your weakness and lack instead of your wisdom. You just got to get comfortable with it. This was like a setup. Oh, what do you know? No food. Ain't got no food. Ain't got no job. Our pet heads are falling off. Okay, okay no one gets that, that reference. I just looked really stupid. Okay, that was... Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Okay, sorry. Go watch that. I thought that was one of the funniest. Okay, wow. And, and anyway, um, welcome. If it's your first time, I'm an idiot. No, um, but but it just seemed like this was a setup. And I'm telling you, you've you've got to know when what is being demanded of you, and you don't have the resources for it. It's a setup. It is an opportunity for your weakness to show God's strength. It is a setup for your lack to God to be the provider. Instead of trying to play God, I believe this, we've got to find God. We've got to find God in these moments. We've got to say, God, what are you doing? And jump on board with that. Here's the the thing, right? God can and does work in and through our wisdom, but most of the time God works in and through your weakness and your lack. I love the story Gideon, right? Judges chapter 6 and 7, Gideon, he's chosen by God to go and fight for, for God. And God calls him, he's got this big army, and God tells him, your army's too big. 
Check, check this out here, Judges 7-2. Seven, uh, it says, the Lord said, you have too many warriors. If I let all of you fight the, the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. <laughs> Some of y'all, that light bulb's coming on. God works this, works this way. Why? Because in your weakness, he is strong. That, that's what Paul said. He, so Paul, if anyone was strong, it was Paul. And Paul got to the point. He said, I got this thorn. It's killing me. I asked God, take it away. He does it. And what he said from examining that thorn was in his weakness, God is strong. In your lack, God is abundant. And you've got to get comfortable as a follower of Jesus Christ that God most of the time works through your lack and works through your weakness. Why? Because sometimes we love certainty more than we love Jesus. And we live in a culture of certainty, cal calculated, certain, knowing the outcomes, and it's killing us. It's killing us because honestly, and, and then think, even, even think like this, right? Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. I mean, just, just look at how small a mustard seed is, y'all. I mean, literally, when Jesus was teaching thousands of, of people, he said the kingdom of God that he's going to do inside of you is like that starting off. He says if you've got the faith of that, you can move mountains. That's how God starts. Scripture says this, don't despise the small beginnings. We've got to know. And then I, I love Paul when he's explaining the gospel to the church in Corinth, he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, now we have this light shining, this light shining being the gospel in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. You find God instead of trying to play God. Find him in this moment because he's here. When he strips something from us. What, instead of saying, God, I can't stand you, say, God, my ears are open. What are you saying? What are you doing new? Lastly, it's going to be a sh what to What to do when what is demanded of you, you don't have the resources for. Lastly, give God what you got. I love this here. Jesus said, what do you have? He, he didn't say, yo, who got 7,000 fish and 7,000 pieces of bread? He said, well, okay, I understand what you don't have, but, but let, what do you have? And that's what I think this season right now, you've got to be saying, you might, you might not have the greatest patience, but you got some. You might not be the smartest parent to homeschool your kids. Like Kristen and I, we are royally up a creek because we were homeschooled. Most of our lives. So fourth grade math, we're calling Dwayne. If you are a teacher here, we are going to call you to help us through this math. But at the same time, we're going to give God what we got. We got homeschool math. Give God what you got. I believe the only way in this season that you're going to keep your sanity, keep your salvation, is to give God what you got every single day. Because the truth is, God doesn't need a lot, so give him what you got. 
God doesn't need a lot. Because here's the thing, right? You got, they give God, they give Jesus seven, seven loaves. And he takes it and thanks God for it, for it, breaks it and blesses it and it multiplies. The truth is this, what you don't give God, he can't bless and he can't multiply. What you don't give to God, he can't bless and he can't multiply. That is why God wants all of you. Don't, don't you see whatever you keep to, your, to yourself, you only have the power to bless that. And that is why I believe God in, in this season saying, give what you got and all you got is you. Why do we hold back? It's because we're scared and timid and we think we can do more with what we got than what God can. And God is saying, give me what you got. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then it spread and it fed thousands of people from seven loaves to seven kids. And that's what I believe tonight. That's why I said tonight is a night about not what you're going to receive, but what you're going to give to God. Because y'all don't need another sermon. You don't need pithy statements. You need to offer yourself what you have, the good, the bad, the ugly, to him so he can take it, multiply it, bless it, break it, and be the resource that you need in these coming months. Romans 12.1 says this here. This is Paul. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. He says, I beseech you, which that is a, <laughs> a King James word, beseech. It's like basically saying, I implore you, I beg of you, I, I, I plead with you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I love here he put this word, reasonable. And what he was essentially saying was, in light of all that God has given you and done for you, as a human being, the most logical conclusion that we can deduct from what God has given us is that we reasonably respond with all of we are as a living, breathing sacrifice. The, the thing is, we don't put money on the altar. We don't put bulls on the altar. We don't put birds on the altar. We put ourselves on the altar. And we say, God, I give all of me. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.